belated uh, Happy Australia Day. <clears throat> I was flying into Sydney yesterday, oh, about um, at 11am yesterday morning and uh, uh, I got a window seat on uh, Qantas flight coming in and, and looking over the harbour, the bridge and it really is a beautiful city. Um, <clears throat> not quite sure about Seven Hills, but the city is a beautiful city. <laughs> but don't worry, as I said, and I say this every year, I know, I was born in Penrith, so uh, I'm a Westie at heart. Uh, I thought about wearing my tracky dacks this morning, but I thought I'd better, better get dressed up for church. But, um, <clears throat> uh, and yet I thought yesterday of my, um, uh, it was the year 1800, my great-great-great-grandfather, uh, Richard Mills, who was, uh, I found out a few months ago, Richard Mills was a highwayman in England. In other words, he was a, a robber. And uh, you know what a highwayman was? Someone who used to go out in the highways and, yeah, hold up stagecoaches and so on. He was a highwayman. So he was deported to Australia, arrived into Sydney Cove in 1800. And, I, and, and oftentimes as I'm flying into Sydney, quite often, um, and some days you just get a spectacular view of the, the harbour and it's just a gigantic city. But I think back in those days with nothing there, just trees and hills and there was the tank stream and, and of course 1800, that's 12 years after the first fleet. So there would have been a little settlement there and, and some army barracks and this, that and the other. I thought, imagine, imagine if you could transport someone from <laughs> that era to this era and say, yes, look at... This is what Australia is like now. But um, so in actual fact, I'm, I'm, I'm just a migrant like everyone else. <laughs> so uh, um, and um, <clears throat> in fact, I, I gave a track to the, uh, the fellow out uh, on the road here as I came in this morning and he was out collecting the, the trolleys for Woolworths. And he was a lovely, lovely man, really friendly. And he took the track and I, I said, where are you from? He said, Sudan. I said, how long have you been here? He said, 10 years. I said, well, happy Australia Day. You're Aussie too. And uh, so whether you were here 10 minutes or whether you were here, uh, your family's been here several hundred years or, or in the case of our Aboriginal brothers, who knows, 100 years, a couple of thousand years, I don't know. Look, we all go back to Noah. So we're all migrants, every one of us. <laughs> and we all go back to the Garden of Eden. So, uh, you know, the world's around about 6,000 years old. So, so we're all migrants somewhere. But um, I'm glad I'm an Aussie, and uh, <clears throat> and um, especially to our our uh, newer Australian citizens, uh, it's a great welcome to you, and uh, that makes makes Australia what it is today. Imagine Australia without pizza. <laughs> Imagine Australia without coffee. Uh, or we could do without McDonald's, I know. But I mean, uh, you know, just imagine that. Um, <clears throat> But um, I'm just thankful for our country. I'm a proud Australian and there's any number of people trying to, to uh, tear our country down and, and uh, that, that's not for me. I love Australia and I love our way of life and I don't appreciate it when people want to change us and try and... Uh, we, are, we are what we are. And, uh, and if you've read the bulletin this morning, uh, we, we'll have a snag at lunch and uh, we'll have, hopefully go home, have a bit of a snooze, the Savo, and uh, get ready for tomorrow. Did you write that? Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that was... Uh, but we are. But 
More importantly, we come here to worship the Lord and we come to look at His Word. Isn't it amazing that God's Word relates and is applicable to all people? All people. And so let's take our Bibles, please, and, and let's turn to the book of Habakkuk. You may say Habakkuk. I don't know what Brother Tossel says, whether it's Habakkuk or Habakkuk. But I'm going to say Habakkuk, okay? And, and uh, if, if that is the incorrect pronunciation, then uh, please forgive me. Um, <clears throat> and we're not going to have a Bible reading right now. We're going to read some verses as we go through. We'll have a little bit of Bible study. And then I'm going to make a few points this morning and we'll, we'll finish. Don't worry, I won't be too long this morning. Uh, as I said to the Sunday school um, class this morning, um, I understand there's a lot of um, tired people out there after, after youth camp last week. So, um, <clears throat> and most probably there's a pretty good chance, uh, I don't know whether we'll be able to smell the sausages from in here, but that's, uh, that's not good when you're trying to preach. But... <clears throat> but Let's pray and ask for God's blessing. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings of, uh, well, the country that you've given to us. And Lord, we could have been born, or we, born in any country, really, I suppose, or we could have migrated to another country. But it just so happens that we're here. And I thank you for this beautiful land, this wide brown land. Um, and uh, Lord, I pray, thank you for those that have come this morning. Pray that you'll speak to our hearts. Uh, each of us, Lord, that's one of the miraculous things about you, Lord. You can speak to each of us at our point of need. Please teach us from your word. We pray for the power of the Spirit of God to be upon the word of God uh, this morning. And bless us, we pray, with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. The world is in deep trouble with God. Planet Earth is in deep trouble with God. As a whole, the world worships the creature rather than the creator. Now, evidently, in uh, New York uh, City last week, they passed a bill to legalise late-term abortions. Um, so some of you have seen that uh, point. Evidently, that's the, the truth. Um, uh, you know, America is in trouble with God. Australia's in trouble with God. Um, it was less than two years ago that our nation uh, voted to legalise homosexual marriage. Uh, our, in fact, not just Australia, but our world is drowning in sin. We are drowning in sin. The Bible predicts this. This doesn't surprise us. Um, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, rebellion, occult practices, corruption, violence, disobedience, selfishness, hatred, strife. Go and read through... Uh, Numerous passages in the New Testament, and it's all there. And how God doesn't send <clears throat> judgmental fire upon our world right now, I'll never understand. But I can just put it down to his mercy, his love, and his long-suffering. I've got that written down here, brother, his long-suffering. But I'm very glad that God is a long-suffering God because if, if he wasn't, I wouldn't be standing here and I wouldn't be a child of God apart from his grace and his mercy and his long-suffering. Our world is in trouble. Australia is in trouble spiritually. But really, things were no, not much different in ancient, ancient times. You know, the Roman Empire was a, a wicked, occult, godless 
society. Uh, one of my numerous trips to Rome in recent years, I remember Robin and, and I and uh, <coughs> Robin and, and I and Sarah did a tour of the Colosseum, and um, <coughs> and uh, we it's an amazing building. Uh, and uh, just going through, the guy was taking us through this, that, and the other, and and uh, right at the end, he showed us uh, they constructed all these rooms just on the outside of the Colosseum, and when they finished their games. Uh, <clears throat> all sorts of evil practices would take place in these rooms and the people that went to the games would just line up after the games to go into these terrible places. And you look at the Roman Empire and you think how terrible it was then. But you have to go way back, even before the Roman Empire. Uh, in fact, if we go back to when Israel uh, <clears throat> was in the land, uh, before they were taken captive, of course Israel was split into two, the north and the south. Uh, and um, the northern kingdom of, uh, of Israel was taken captive by the Assyrians. Uh, but at the time of Habakkuk, the southern kingdom was still in the land. Judah and Benjamin, they were still in the land. And it was, it was in a, like today, like the Roman Empire, uh, it was in a, a terrible state. In fact, we won't turn there for time's sake, but in uh, 2 Kings 23, they, they, they talked about um, <clears throat> offering, uh, passing through the fire or offering human sacrifice to Molech. And evidently, the his, historians say that the god Molech, they would make this, uh, this, this uh, god of, of, uh, of metal and it had like a, a, a cow's head and it had hands made of metal, and they would heat that statue up till it was molten red, red hot, and then, and then they would take newborn babies and put the babies in those hands and uh, burn them to death as a sacrifice. And this took, took place just outside of Jerusalem. Isn't it funny? We, we supposedly live in a civilised world, but we really haven't come any further. We're still killing babies. What is it with killing babies? What is it with killing babies? Our world seems obsessed with putting little self, uh, defenseless babies to death. You know what Jesus said? He said, if you offend one of these little ones, it were better that a great big millstone were hanged about your neck and you were chucked into the river. And all I can think is that the day of judgment is going to be hot. When you take an innocent little baby and you kill that baby, whether it was back then or whether it's now. Enter this man named Habakkuk. Habakkuk prophesied somewhere around 630 to 605 BC. And uh, we come to the book of Habakkuk. And basically Habakkuk has three chapters. We we're not going to get through all the three chapters this morning. We're just going to pick a few verses out. <clears throat> And then we'll go to another chapter in the Bible and then we'll be finished. But Habakkuk had a conversation with God or, or God had a conversation with Habakkuk. Look, look what's said here, Habakkuk chapter 1. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry and wilt thou not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are, there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. 
You see, he's looking at all these heathen practices among God's people. God's people, Israel, taking their babies and offering them to the god Moloch. And, and of course, many other things. And he says, how long? Well, this is God's response. First, verse 5. <clears throat> this is what God said. He said, Behold ye the heathen and regard and wonder marvellously, for I will work a work in your days, this is the days of Habakkuk, which ye will not believe, though it be told you. You ever heard the saying, you won't believe what happened? Well, God says to Habakkuk, you're not going to believe what's going to happen. You're not even going to believe this. And this is what's going to happen, verse number 6. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses also are swifter than the leopards and are more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen shall spread themselves and their horsemen shall come from far. They shall fly as the eagle that hasteth to eat. Look at verse 10. They shall scoff at the kings and the princes shall be a scorn unto them. They shall de deride every stronghold, for they shall heap dust and take it. So he's, God's saying, listen, <clears throat> you're not going to believe this, but I'm going to send, and he, and he tells them which nation. He says it's the Chaldeans. The Babylonians are going to come. They, they are a bitter and a hasty nation. And they, they are terrible and dreadful. And they are going to come through and just destroy nation after nation after nation. It's very interesting, this prophecy here, verse 11. Talking about the Chaldeans, then shall his mind change and he shall pass over and offend, imputing this his power unto his God. <clears throat> this is judgment that's going to come. And God says, Habakkuk, you're not going to believe this, but I've already set aside the Chaldeans. Not the Assyrians. They've had their day. It's the Chaldeans. They're going to come down and they are fierce and they are bitter, and they are going to destroy everything. Now, Habakkuk hears this, verse 12. We go back to Habakkuk. Look what he says. Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine holy one? We shall not die. O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment, and O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he. <clears throat> and he goes on to say a few other things. What's he saying here? He said, Lord, you, you, you are a pure God. You don't look upon evil. Surely you can't look upon these Babylonians and use them. He said, they're, they're, uh, why are you, you going to let these Babylonians come and destroy your people? They're wicked. They hate you. They're in idolatry. They're a terrible nation. They're a bitter nation. Lord, what are you doing? <clears throat> he goes on in chapter 2. This is Habakkuk still. He says, I will stand upon my watch. I'll set me upon the tower. And I'll watch to see what he will say. That's God unto me. And what I shall answer when I am reproved. Here we go back to God again. The Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, 
but the just shall live by his faith. What's he saying here? He says, listen, judgment is going to come. Now, it may take a while. It may take a while. It may not even be in your lifetime, but it's going to come. You just need to wait for it. But he said something amazing. He said here, um, sometimes it seems that God moves slowly, but it will surely come. But you know what I want you to do, Habakkuk? The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. So you just need to trust me anyway. You trust me anyway. Now very quickly, God goes on to give some woes here. He says, verse 6, Woe to him that increaseth that which is not his. Um, verse 9, Woe to him that coveteth an evil covetousness to his house. Verse 12, Woe to him that buildeth the town with blood. Verse 15, Woe to him that giveth his neighbour drink. Verse 19, Woe to him that saith to the wood, Awake to the dumb stone, arise. And we could go into all those sins there, but we don't have time this morning. What's the Lord saying? He's saying, listen, judgment is going to come. Judgment is going to come. For all these things, for idolatry, for drunkenness, for cruelty, uh, building a town by, by iniquity, taking that which is not his, covetousness, <clears throat> he said that's all going to come. It may not come in your time, but it will come. And he said, wait for it. What was Habakkuk's response to this? Come over to chapter 3. I told you we'd be really quick this morning. Chapter 3 of Habakkuk. <clears throat> A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet upon Shigionoth. If that's how you say that word. O Lord, I've heard thy speech and was afraid. And I tell you what, if God said that stuff to me in person, I'd be afraid. I'd be afraid. God said, Habakkuk, these people, they are terrible people. Israel is a wicked nation and, and they're done for. They're done for. You're going to be wiped out. He was afraid. But look at Habakkuk's response here. He said, O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years make known, in wrath remember mercy. What did Habakkuk say? He said, Lord, I can see what's happening. I'm scared to death. Not so much for me, but for my people Israel. But he said, Lord, is there any chance we could see a bit of revival? Is there any chance, Lord, in, in, in spite of the wrath, the, the, the just and the holy wrath on sin, in spite of this, Lord, would you be merciful to us for a while? And could we see some revival? Take your Bibles and turn over to... Uh, <clears throat> Book of Second Chronicles 34. 2 Chronicles 34. 2 <clears throat> Chronicles 34. It just so happened that during the time of Habakkuk, God raised up a king in Judah, the southern kingdom. And this was no ordinary king. This was a special king. Remember, Habakkuk, and this king named Josiah lived around the same time. Let's look about the life of Josiah here. Remember, what was, what was Habakkuk's prayer to God? He said, Lord, I know the judgment's coming and I'm scared to death. But do you reckon we could have a bit of revival before then? Lord, in your wrath, could you remember some mercy? And God raised up a man called Josiah. Same time. Look at verse 34. <clears throat> 
Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign and he reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. Verse 3, for in the eighth year of his reign, so he was 16, while he was yet young, he began to seek after God, the God of David, his father. Here's this man, um, Josiah. He started reigning at eight years of age. Anyone here eight years of age? Are they all out? They all got junior church today? We've got anyone at eight here? No? That's all right. I'm sure there's some people around that are eight. You imagine becoming king at eight years of age. Now, again, in verse, uh, verse um, 2, was, I think it's like a summary of his life. But the specifics is in verse 3. The eighth year of his reign, 16 years old, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. Here's the first thing that brought about revival in the land of Israel. The revival that was the answer to the prayer of Habakkuk. <clears throat> the king did right. 16 years of age, he did right. And he sought after the God of David, his father. His reign was defined by godliness. And to to this day, Josiah is seen as maybe the godliest of all the kings of Israel. Now they had some great kings. They had Hezekiah and they had David and they had Solomon in his early days. But really there was no king like Josiah. And he sought the Lord as a 16-year-old. Any 16-year-olds here? Yeah? No? No? You know what we need? You need a bit of, you want some revival? We need to <clears throat> have a holy life. We need to have a life. Hey, young people. <clears throat> There's lots of young people here. We need some young people in their 14s and 15s and 16s and 17s and 18s that are going to say, I'm going to, be, I'm going to live a holy life. Now, I know living your holy life doesn't make you a Christian. Becoming a Christian is admitting that you're a filthy sinner before God and trusting Christ as your saviour. What he did on the cross, he shed blood. But once you have Christ as your saviour, we are supposed to, the Bible puts it this way, be ye holy for I am holy. Most churches don't preach on that anymore. We preach on being relevant. We preach on being educated. But very few churches preach on being holy. Young person, you need to be holy. And that doesn't mean that you have big white eyes and, and you, you, know, you wear a suit to bed. And you try and look religious. That's not holiness. Holiness is hating the things that God hates and loving the things that God loves. You say, can I be holy in my own strength? No, I can't. No, you can't. We understand that. Goes back to that life of faith. We need the power of God in our lives. But we can live a holy life. didn't say a perfect life. said a holy life. The word holy means to be set apart. And yet, you know, the average Christian is laughed at by the world today. Why? Because their life is no different than anyone else. Our life is supposed to be different. The things I used to do, don't do them anymore. The place I used to go, don't go there anymore. The things I used to say, don't say them anymore. Why? There's been a great change since I was born again. And we are supposed to live a different life. We are supposed to be seen as fanatics. One thing I don't know, I don't, I'm not sure if I believe in New Year's resolutions. 
I don't know if they work. Some people, maybe they do. <clears throat> but this year, the Lord has impressed upon my heart to always tell the truth. Tell the truth. You know, we tend to embellish things. You ever do that? Or is it just me? <laughs> you know, Christians, we're supposed to be holiness. Well, Jesus said, let your yay be yay, your nay be nay. It's either truth or it's not truth. If it's not quite true, then it's not true. The Lord's impressed upon my heart. Say things that are true or don't say anything at all. You know, we need Christians that are going to live a holy life. Christians that will have a testimony. Christians that will do right. And, not, and by the way, not just young people. We, you know, young people are easy targets. We can preach at them and, 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 and they'll just smile back. But us old geezers need preaching at too. We need some Christians who are going to do right and live a holy life, a spirit-filled, spirit-led life. That's how you reach people. Because <clears throat> people will see that you're different. That's why, <clears throat> that's why Christians don't go down to the pub after work. Or they don't go to the bottle shop and get a, what is it, a 12, a slab, bring it home. That's not what Christians do. Now, your unsaved friends and neighbours, they're always on to you. Right? Come and have a drink. Come and have a beer. Of course they are. I remember when I started work at the Sydney Water Board in 1980, there was always pressure. Hey, come on, Fraze, come and have a beer. Just across the road at the pub after work, just, just come, come and have a beer. Just one beer is not going to help you. And <clears throat> the trouble is when you do that, as soon as you start living like the world, they're actually disappointed in you. And that's the truth. They're disappointed in you. You say, can you live a perfect life? No, I understand you can't. And sometimes, oftentimes, we sin. Well, we need to humble ourselves and go and say we're sorry. I think we need some preaching on holiness. Christians are supposed to live like Christians. We're supposed to be different. <clears throat> Josiah was. It was, it was so unusual for someone to seek the Lord, especially at that age, that it's recorded in the Bible. Normally when kings came to rule in, in those days and in many eras, the first thing they do was they round up all their, their relatives and cousins and have them all put to death. It was a pretty rough, rough old times in those days. But it's recorded of this man, he began to seek the Lord. Here's the second thing he did. Come over to verse number 8. In the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the house, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, and Messiah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of uh, Joahaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. Come up to verse 15. Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan, the scribe, I've they went in to repair the, the temple, and he said, I've found the book of the law in the house of the Lord, and Hilkiah delivered the book to Shaphan. Look at verse 18. Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king, and it came to pass, when the king had heard the words of the law, that he rent his clothes. Verse 21, go inquire, this is the king speaking, Josiah, go inquire of the Lord for me, and for them that are left in Israel and Judah, concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out upon us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do after all that is written in this book. 
He discovered God's word. He discovered God's word. He sought the ways of God at the age of 16 and then he discovered God's word. He said, hang on, where's this come from? This is just not a book. This is the book. I think it's time we discovered God's word. Did you read your Bible this morning? I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up, but did you read your Bible this morning? Are you planning to read your Bible tomorrow morning? You say, oh, I'm too busy. If you're too busy for the word of God, you're too busy. I love, I love this book. I don't, always, I don't always jump around my study thinking, wow, that's wonderful. Sometimes I don't understand what I read. I'll admit that. And sometimes, I, sometimes I'm a bit sleepy. But other times I read and God warms your heart. He warms your soul. You think, wow, I've read that a hundred times, 200 times, 300 times. Wow, that is so awesome. I've never understood that before. See, that's when the Holy Spirit, he illuminates the word of God because he is the author. We need to rediscover God's word. Here's the third thing. Come over to, uh, let me see, verse number 19. I'm sorry, verse number 26. As for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, so shall you say unto him, this is a a lady named Huldah, the prophetess. God spoke to her. Verse 26, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, concerning the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender... And thou didst humble thyself before God when thou heardest his words against this place and against the inhabitants thereof and humblest thyself before me and didst rend thy clothes and weep before me. I have even heard thee also, saith the Lord. This is what he did. He humbled himself. He humbled himself. It's all right to be, it's all right to be indignant at the sins of others. You know, I think if you want some personal revival, and I'm sure this happens, the first thing you have to do is you have to humble yourself. I love the old song, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's not Pastor Hernan, although I'm sure he needs the prayer. It's not... um, Brother Alex, so he needs the prayer. I'm sure he needs the prayer. No, it's me, Lord. I mean, you speak to them. I'm sure they've got their sins they're dealing with. But I tell you what, Lord, I'm the one. I need you to deal with my sins. And here's this godly young man that sought the Lord that, that, that was so sad and yet glad that they'd found the word of God. And yet he humbled himself and tore his clothes and said, It's me. It's me. It's what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah said, oh, we need to confess our sins. He said, I need to confess my sins. And here's this godly man, Nehemiah. He says, no, no, I'm the one in trouble. Humility. If you get nothing else from the sermon this morning, learn to humble yourself. You know, sometimes I'm in meetings and, Pastor, you've been in meetings like this and, and especially with some, some of the fancy preachers get up. And I've spent the last 30 years, 40 years of my life at special meetings. And preachers that are, you know, way better than me. 
and I'm sure you'll agree with what I'm about to say, but you'll, sometimes you'll, you'll, someone will get up to preach and it's as though the Lord says that person is proud. That person is proud. And you can almost, it almost comes through the message. And sometimes I think, yeah, I'm not getting much out of this message. I think the preacher's a bit proud. And before I, and before I criticise them, <clears throat> I'm often there. I'm often there. We need to humble ourselves, folks. You want revival in your life? <clears throat> it's got to start with Brother Tossle. <laughs> no, it's got to start with me. It's got to start with me. Lord, revive me. Lord, show me my sins. I mean, show everyone their sins, Lord. Point them out to us through the convicting work of the Spirit of God. But Lord, you show me my sins first. <clears throat> he was humble. Number four, and I'm nearly done this morning. Look at verse 33. <clears throat> Josiah took away all the abominations out of all the countries that pertained to the children of Israel. What did he do? Well, he got all the the altars and the paraphernalia that went with Baal and Ashtaroth and, and, um, and all these other false gods and he got rid of them. There's an easy application for us today. You want to have some revival in the land? You want to have some revival in your church? You want to have some personal revival and that's where it starts? We need to get the stuff that pertains to the world out of our lives. I was sitting down with Robin a couple, oh, a couple of months ago. I... I forget where I was. Last year I was on the road 10 months, give or take a few days. <clears throat> and uh, I forget where I am often, or I forget where I've been. <clears throat> but we were watching a film, I don't know whether it was a DVD or, 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 I forget where I was. But the name of Christ, the name of Jesus was blasphemed. And straight away I said to Robin, turn that off. I can't listen to that. I can't listen to that. That's my saviour. And someone has profaned his name, I'm not going to listen to that. <clears throat> you know, we have stuff like uh, video games. I'm not saying video games are wrong, I'm just saying some of them are wrong. Apps. Apps. On your phone. Apps or... Websites, a lot of that stuff is wrong. I'm not saying the technology is wrong. I use the technology. But some of that stuff doesn't pertain to the Christian. It pertains to the devil. So you know what we need to do? We need to say, Lord, search me, search my heart, see if there's some junk I need to throw out. DVDs, books, magazines, the list goes on and, and if the truth be known, if the truth be known, maybe the Spirit of God is already telling you some of those things right now. Take them, <clears throat> break them, throw them away, burn them, do something with them, I don't know. You say, can't I hang on to that stuff? Well, you can, but you won't have revival. Josiah said, no, all this stuff, all the paraphernalia, the witchcraft, the, the altars, all this stuff for Baal and for all this sort of stuff, <clears throat> let's get rid, let's burn, let's destroy it. Let's destroy it. 
So you want revival? Got to get some of that stuff. <clears throat> God, the Holy Spirit is right, right, maybe right now saying, yep, that thing on your phone or that website or that whatever it might be, that, that whatever, get rid of it. Get rid of it. The last thing. This is the last thing he did. And there might have been other things there, but in our time this morning, verse uh, chapter 35, verse 1. Moreover, Josiah kept a Passover unto the Lord in Jerusalem, and they killed the Passover on the 14th day of the first month, and he set the priests in their charges and encouraged them to the service of the house of the Lord. He reinstituted the Passover. He realised that for so many years, the Passover was forgotten. They didn't even know what it was. But he read the book of God, the word of God, the law, the first five books of the law. He said, hang on, we're in trouble with God because God instituted this thing called the Passover. When we remember when he delivered his people out of Egypt and we're going to do it. So the 14th day, the first month, they got the little lamb and they sacrificed that lamb and they kept the Passover and all the other things that the law said for them to do. Now, I know we don't keep the Passover today. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. And I think this is the obvious application here. Revival will come when we renew our fellowship with Christ. Paul said, I'm not going to glory in anything except in the cross of Christ. The cross of Christ was always present in the mind of Paul. And it was always prominent in the mind of Paul. And it was always preeminent in the mind of Paul. And he said in Philippians 3.10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. It all goes back to the cross. We don't need more stuff. We don't need more things. We need to know more about Jesus. More about Jesus. <clears throat> well, what's the application this morning? There's a lot of other stuff I could have said, but our time is gone. What's the application? Judgment is coming on this country. I love Australia. <clears throat> Judgment is coming. You cannot flaunt sin in the face of God like we do as a nation and expect to get away with anything. You can't. The judge of all the earth will do right. God is a righteous and a holy God. He is long-suffering. He is loving. He is kind and merciful and gracious and patient, but he's also just. And because of his justice, judgment must come. My prayer is that, Lord, in wrath, remember mercy. Lord, would you send us a little bit of revival? A little bit of revival. Lord, would you work in our lives? May we humble ourselves. May we, get, may we fall in love again with the Bible. May we renew our fellowship with the risen Christ. Lord, may we get the rubbish that <clears throat> our lives get so full of rubbish. The world just seeps in. Lord, would you revive me? And if no one else wants to be revived, look, I want to be revived. I want a touch of God. You say, and someone said to Billy Sunday, Bill, what do you preach on revival for? Because it's only temporary. And he said, yeah, but so is having a bath. And it does you a power of good. <laughs> That's what Billy Sunday said. 
The judgment of God is going to fall on this country. It's going to fall on planet Earth. The Bible tells us that. God judged the world once by flood. The next time it's by fire. It's coming. But maybe in wrath, God will remember mercy. And not even so much for my sake. I've got five grandkids. I've got four kids. They're all grown now. They're either in or approaching their 30s. My grandkids are now growing up. For the sake of my grandkids, Lord, would you send us some revival? Send us some revival. And maybe there's someone here. Maybe there's someone here and you don't know Christ as Saviour. Jesus died for you, my friend. And he'll save you. If you come as you are, come as a sinner to Jesus. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But maybe there's a child of God here this morning. And you know you're far away from God. You're a long way away. And you're in desperate need of the fire of God in your life. You're in desperate need of a reviving touch from God. Maybe there's just one person this morning. And God has spoken to you this morning. Would you humble yourself and say, Lord, revive me. Revive me. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed, please. We love you, Father, and whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. That we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Lord, in wrath, remember mercy. Would you send us some revival at this time, Lord? While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe I'm not quite sure. In just a moment, I'll hand back the pastor and he can close whoever he wants to. But Maybe there's someone here and God's spoken to you this morning. You say, preacher, my heart needs reviving. My life is cold and hard at the moment. But I need a touch from God this morning. That's what I'd like you to do. Just leave your seat, come and kneel out the front here. Spend some time with God. Just before we sing our hymn, if you need the Lord this morning, just come and kneel.